Hey y'all, welcome to the Lash Anarchist podcast. <clears throat> I decided to do a little bonus episode today because I have a long drive, but also I have just been thinking about so much lately. Um, the past few days. Okay, so first off, I just want to mention kind of what I was talking about at the end of my last podcast about like, is the lash industry okay? Are we okay, guys? How are you doing? Are you shutting down your salon? Um, and I just wanted to let everybody know, first of all, if you are in like a good situation right now, you are thriving, you're growing, your clientele is growing, dude, hell yeah. Good for you. You are the 1%. Everybody else is struggling their ass off. And I'm talking, okay, well, I will obviously not be naming any names because I don't need any litigious piece of shit coming after me because uh, I outed their business or whatever. But I can say this. I have been noticing over and over and over again so many people that I know or I've heard through the grapevine are absolutely posturing. They are smoke and mirrors. When you see that somebody is moving, oh, we're moving to a new location, they're usually downsizing, okay? They're downsizing. If you had a great big storefront place with a salon and a storage back room, warehouse, whatever, in a nice area, and now all of a sudden you are moving into a different location in the burbs, you're downsizing, okay? And like, that's fine. Because the reason why I'm talking about this, I actually reached out to a friend of mine and I'll, I'll just keep everybody anonymous because I haven't talked to anybody else about this. But like, um, I reached out to a friend of mine who I know was also having like a struggle fest in their business. And I feel like they've been pretty open about it. Um, so it's whatever, it's their story to tell. And I was like, did you notice this other person? And I was pointing out somebody else and I'm like, there's just signs. Like if you pay attention to these other businesses And this person that I'm talking about is is like a specific person that is like, they are their own brand, right? They're their brand. So it is a company, but it seems like it's a person. Anyway, I was like, just, did you notice, like, have you noticed these signs? And I was like, it is not just us going through the struggle bus. And like, I am going to, like, I'm, I'm going to be speaking on stage at Lash Boss Summit And I'm on the panel with Ashley and Wednesday. So Ashley from, she works at PLA now, but we know her from the Lash Poppy. Um, And Wednesday works with EBL. And we are lash artists that have joined up with larger brands, right? And so I have merged recently with Lash Bomb. And I was like, I was just like laughing, talking to my husband yesterday. And I was like, if I get asked the question, like, why did I decide to merge my business? I'm going to have to be completely honest. It's because I was trying to save my dying business. We were going out of business and I don't want to fucking sugarcoat it anymore. I think, well, I grew up Mormon, so 
I like to joke and say, like, I'm feeling the spirit about something, but it's like, I'm feeling compelled to tell this story, to tell my truth and let people know, like, yes, we fucking exploded. 2017 to 2021, we were killing it. We were on an upward growth I had like a really good long convo with my husband about this yesterday. So I think that's why it's on my mind. But like, he was like, babe, like the thing is, is like, you were very innovative, you know? And I was the first person I, that I know of. I could be completely in my own bubble, which I tend to be sometimes, but so excuse me if this is you that I'm talking about, but I feel like I was one of the first people to come out with a brand that was edgy. And it's not like I did anything like earth shattering, like, oh my God, she's a genius. She says swear words and used neon colors. Like, no, I just did something that was a little bit fun, different, a little bit like punk. It was still very like 2000s millennial white girl of me. But, you know, people resonated with that because I don't have a super clean mouth. It's so much more clean now, by the way. And I, I honestly kind of like started to hate that I was known for that because yeah, like I have a potty mouth sometimes, but it's like, that's not, that doesn't define me. Like, so does everybody, but like, I don't know. I have a nine-year-old. Well, he's nine in two weeks, but it's like, I don't know, whatever. The middle finger, the bananas, the anarchy symbol, the reason why I started Lash Anarchist and the way, the reason why I called it that is because like, if you know, like the definition of anarchy, it's, it's the rejection of rules from hierarchy. It's like the rejection of, uh, people think that it's chaos and like looting. It's not, it's not, it is just rejecting fucking society and societal norms that we have set up like social constructs and also like it's hierarchy it's government it's anti-government and like I don't like rules I don't like people telling me what the fuck I should be doing um in fact it makes me want to do exactly what they're telling me I shouldn't do just to prove to them that there's a different way of doing things and I've always thought that I blame my mom for homeschooling me, for giving me this different perspective on life because it's like, if I don't like something, like, okay, I'll fucking opt out. Like, I don't have to do that. You don't like going to school? I've literally told my son, I'm like, you don't like going to school, dude? You get your GED and you go do your thing because like, I don't, you can homeschool. You don't have to do what everybody's doing, like what we all do in society, what's normal. Um, Sometimes that's the worst way to live, in my opinion. Anyway, I, oh my God, I'm stuck in the worst traffic right now. This is the greatest time to pick up and podcast. Anyway, I, that's why I chose Lash Anarchy because when I set out to start this brand, I was first of all, incredibly scared of what people would think of me. I was scared of what my family would think of me. It was more my family than my peers, but it definitely was coming out of this like teenager angst that I've always had. Like I've always been like a rage against the machine type of bitch. And like, I listen to me saying I don't have a potty mouth. I just wanted to bring that into the lash world a little bit because I felt like everything was so prim and proper 
And when I got into lashes, I mean, this is almost 12 years ago now. (laughs) I can't believe it's 2024. Um, It really was, it was pretty new. There was only a few big companies, you know, there, there really was, it was like Extreme Lash, Nova Lash, and then like Minkies, Daniel Longme, those are the only ones that we ever saw at any of the trade shows. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a time to be alive. Like there was a lot of room in the industry. We'll say that. And then next, you know, pops up like Borbaletta, Lash Affair, Bella Lash, um, and not in that order, but these bigger lash brands that, I, and uh, Sugar Lash, um, what else? I'm trying to like give you examples, I guess, of even Lashbox LA, although I love Lashbox LA and I do feel like they do things their own way and they're a little bit different, but even so it's very polished. It's very put together. It's very pretty. And that's never really been me. I've always wanted to be, I've always wanted to be pretty and polished and put together, but that's just not really my personality. And so whenever I am doing that, I feel like I am playing a part. And I was like, we need more, first of all, diversity in this industry, but of all different kinds. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was all just so like homogenized. It was so, I just, I can't think of any other word except for polished. And I hated that. I was like, I got to fuck shit up. That's why I chose Lash Anarchist because Lash, because Anarchy, because Anarchy, um, I just wanted to go against the grain and show people that you didn't have to fit in, into this nice little perfectly wrapped box with a bow on the top to have a successful business. So anyway, I feel like that, like getting back to what I was talking about earlier, like that really resonated with people. I blew up. My company blew up. I went from just selling lashes to like locals to having half million dollar annual sales. I'm not saying that's huge, but I did that in a couple of years. So yeah, it felt really big to me. And people kept saying like, you're just going to grow and you're just going to grow and you're going to be as big as Lashbox LA. Like somebody told me that once. And I just remember thinking inside, like, I, I hope I never am, (laughs) you know? And it's like, I really had this idea that I would kind of come in, shake shit up. Hopefully some other people could take the reins and run with it. And it would give people permission to be themselves. Like that's really what I wanted. I have always wanted to make money. I'm not, I did not come into this to be altruistic and like help people find themselves. It was that, but it was also like, I want to dominate. I want to be cool. I want to be popular. I was a homeschooled jungle freak. Like I fully have always wanted to feel acceptance from my peers because I don't think I got a lot of that when I was young. So I'm definitely a people pleaser. Like I am somebody who wants the limelight. I like people to like me. You know, it drives me crazy when somebody doesn't like me. I, I hate confrontation. Like I get it. But at the same time, um, 
I think I have pretty thick skin for all the same reasons as well. Like I, I can be the one that can shake shit up. I can be the first one to do stuff, but that's what me and my husband were talking about is like, I was kind of like a little pioneer that way, like to come out and be like, let's do things different. And then it opened the door for others. And that's great. Wonderful. So happy. I had that experience. I loved it. I loved making the money that I was making even though I put all of it back into my business, I did buy a beach house that was a mistake and I'm trying to get rid of now. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I realized that the lifestyle, and this is something else that I was discussing yesterday with my other friend who's struggling with their business. The lifestyle was not worth it. And when people told me you're going to blow up, you're blowing up, you're going to be like Lashbox LA. It gave me a pit in my stomach. Like it gave me anxiety. And I was like, oh, like it's almost like I I knew that I could, if I wanted that, if I wanted to eat, breathe and sleep lash business, but I didn't want to, you know what I mean? Let's see. I have to look at my. Okay, sorry. I had to look at my GPS. I just didn't want to live that lifestyle. I've seen that lifestyle. My mom's side of the family and my mom. Like, if you know my mom, she is a fucking machine. I have. I've heard so many people over the years be like, You're, you know, your mom's going to burn out if she keeps working like this. And I'm like, I've never not known my mom to work like this. Uh, you're going to burn out just thinking about how much she works before she ever burns out. This woman is 63 and she still works like 12 hour days. She loves it. It's what she loves. Um, luckily, you know, my dad's an artist. He, he likes a slower life and, um, I got a good mix of the two of them, but I'm just not an eat, breathe, sleep, work type of gal. I, and motivated by fun and freedom more than I am being busy or having money, even just having like security, I guess, of having money. Like even that doesn't motivate me to the point of work exhaustion. And my husband was like, the problem with being an innovator <clears throat> is that you, and, and in retail, The problem with being in retail, in this business that I'm in, educating, is that you have to continue to innovate. And another thing that I feel like I really did is I took my courses online in 2020 and I, you know, I went on the road. There were other people doing these things, definitely, but it was another way that I kind of innovated in my business. I also started teaching other people how to put their courses online. My beauty educator blueprint was such a success. Like I can't even tell you like how much of a success it was. I feel like I would be like one of those people that's like, I need X, Y, Z amount of dollars in one year. And you can too, if you just do exactly what I did. And it's like, I'm not going to tell you that because I worked the hardest that I have ever worked on Beauty Educator Blueprint, launching it, putting it together, 
<clears throat> all the things, all the things. And then all the coaching that followed up afterwards and the mentorship. And I made the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time that I ever have in my life. And it was fulfilling in the way that I loved helping the people that were asking for help from me. And I do get so much good feedback from it, but it was not a lifestyle that I am willing to live. I didn't, I, it was so much work for the money. Like, I think something about that actually just made me realize, like, I don't, I don't know if I, like, uh, I don't know. Can't work like this 24 seven. I can't do this once a year. It was too much. It was too much. So anyway, I have a feeling (laughs) that a lot of people that you look up to or that you compare yourself to in this industry are having a lot of the same mental gymnastics and thoughts that I am having. They're going through the same financial struggles in their business that I have had the past couple of years. And people are not, I think that, I don't think anybody's like trying to be deceptive. Maybe some people, (laughs) but I don't think everybody is. Um, I don't think people are trying to be deceptive. I don't think they're trying to be sneaky, but I do think a lot of people are kind of trying to wait it out. They think it's the recession. They think maybe they can find the next thing in their business and it'll blow back up. And I really think in the lash industry, I I mean, I'm not saying it all boils down to this, but I do think that we are a fickle industry. My mom used to call me fickle because I would like boys for about two weeks. And then once I got to know them too much or they stayed around too much, I hated them. I was like, get out next boy. We're a fickle industry. We like what we like right now, but it doesn't take long for that to get old and for the next coolest person to come up whether it's a person, a brand, um, like a lash artist, an educator, a coach, whatever. But it's like, sometimes you have your time to shine and then you burn the fuck out. You're a shooting star, motherfucker. And that's how I feel. I was a shooting star, but I personally lost steam. I feel like I intentionally let my business die down. Because I can't live my life that I can live my life that way. I choose not to live my life that way. Um, I sent this story of the Mexican fisherman to my friend yesterday, and I heard I. It's one of my favorite stories, and I feel like it's been something that like has really been getting me through <laughs> the past couple years, and especially this time in my life where I have my dream home. I sold my dream car to get my dream home. So there was a trade-off there, but like I have my dream home. I have, I, I reached all the goals that I set out for myself and I have it. And now that I have it and it's so much upkeep, I'm realizing that's not the lifestyle I want, or maybe I'm just not ready for it. You know, like I don't have fuck you money to live in the neighborhood that I live in. I was walking through my neighborhood last night with all these mansions, like one street over. There's literally just like $3,000 mansions. It's insane. Um, $3,000, $3 million mansions on the water. And I was just like, what did I 
think that I was moving into? Like, did I think my property taxes would never increase? Like, come on. But, okay, the Mexican fisherman. So, it's about this guy who goes on vacation. He's, like, some, like, hoity-toity motherfucker at some corporation, right? And he's, like, a CEO. And he meets this Mexican fisherman, And he's like, man, those fish that you caught are like so high quality. Like, wow, they look really good. And he's like, how many of these do you catch a day? And he said, oh, just two, just enough to feed my family. And he's like, really? Well, you should stay out there and catch more and sell them. And the fisherman was like, why? And the the salesman guy or the CEO was like, well, you could create a business out of this. He was like, what do you do with your day? And he was like, well, I go out and I catch enough fish to feed my family. And then I go back to my home and I hang out with my family, have dinner. And then I meet up with some friends. I have a cigar. I have a glass of wine and I hang out with my wife. And then the next day I wake up and I go out and I catch fish and I bring it back to my family. And that's my life. And the CEO was like, wow, okay, so we've got to get you out there. You can go fish, get double the fish tomorrow, okay? And then you sell it, and then eventually you can get a nicer boat. And then when you have a nicer boat, you can hire an employee, and they can come with you, and they can catch fish. And then you can save up all your money, you can get into an even bigger boat, get more employees, and then you can can your fish or you can whatever, preserve it somehow. And then you can sell it to the American markets. And then you'll have your own manufacturing company. You will be making so much money. You'll have all of these employees and you can build something spectacular. And the Mexican fisherman goes, okay, but why? And he's like, well, then you can sell your company And you'll have millions of dollars, like hundreds of millions of dollars. And the Mexican fisherman goes, how long do you think that'll take me? And he says, it's going to take you, you know, probably like 10 to 20 years, but then you'll be rich, man. And the Mexican fisherman is like, so what will I do when I'm rich? And he says, (laughs) he says, Then you can come hang out with your family, spend your days fishing, get enough fish to feed your family, go home, hang out with them, hang out with your friends, have a cigar and drink wine with your friends or with your wife at night. (laughs) And that's like, that's the story. And I just like, oh my God, am I getting emotional? I don't know. I'm such a crier lately. I swear to God when I'm on a a diet, I fucking cry. I'm not even like PMSing, but it chokes me up every time because I think it's because I resonate so much with this right now. Oh my God. I'm so embarrassed that I'm crying, but I think it's going to be fine. Nobody's going to judge me. Only like a thousand people listen to my podcast. It's fine. Um, but it's just good to be reminded that, oh my God, I have to pause. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. I pulled my shit together. (sighs) I love this story because it's a good reminder, I guess. And it's good to be reminded. And I, 
I'm literally going to go get a Mexican fisherman tattoo on my body so that I can just look at it sometimes and remind myself, like, it is about the life that we live today and tomorrow and not, like, necessarily the next tomorrows. Like, in my classes, a lot of the time in my coaching, I, I ask my students, like, where do you see yourself in one to three years from now? And I feel like I've spent so much of my life in the where I will be in one to three years from now, which is good. I mean, it's good for goal setting. It really is. But I think a lot of us miss exactly what's in front of our fucking faces. Like when I look back to the years before my business exploded, There's so much of my son's childhood of like him being a baby and a toddler that like that I barely remember. Like I, I feel like I was barely there for. And when I was, I was so distracted by trying to grow on Instagram, um, and trying to keep up with my competition And I, and my friend that I was speaking with, she was like, you have to be borderline obsessed with your competition. It's such a toxic lifestyle. And I was like, dude, you're right. Like, I, I feel like a lot of the reason why I kind of had fallen out, um, with trying so hard to grow my business the past couple of years is that I stopped caring about my competition. I stopped caring what other people were doing. And they say you have to like not worry about what other people are doing just to you. But like, that's kind of not true. Like, I'm sorry, you have to know what's going on to stay relevant and to stay innovative. You have to remain informed. And I don't know, like, (laughs) I was talking to Trina from Maven Artistry the other day. And I was like, tell me why I feel like I, I went down a crochet TikTok rabbit hole and I was like, why do I want to like crochet again, enjoy the crochet and, and join the crochet community and just like make videos about crocheting. It's something that I haven't done in over 10 years, but yet I used to love to do all the time. And I, I was like, fuck it. And I bought some crochet needles on Amazon the other day. They just got to my house. And I'm like, why am I not doing these things that I enjoy anymore? Why don't I have hobbies? Oh, it's because I've been working my fucking ass off. And I'm just saying, like, in the lash industry right now, I think a lot of people feel like me. And like I said, these big names, these big brands, these big companies that we look up to, they feel a lot like I do. And... um. And even if they don't, maybe they're still in their hustle era and they're killing it. I don't know. Maybe they just have a different personality than me. I still think that everyone's really struggling right now. Like, I can't even tell you how many friends I have that are like, oh, I move locations. I see it online. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, I had to shut down my salon. I can't keep doing it. This is the worst financial year that I've had in 15 years of owning a salon. I've heard that from three friends. One was 15 years, one was 12 years, and one was eight years. And I know we're in a recession. Like I've said before, like I hate to be doom and gloom, but like this is the greatest depression that America has ever known. Ever. And I I don't care. Like you can not you can disagree with me. The proof is gonna be in the pudding. We're gonna be in the history books if we make it 
to that. I don't know. I can't predict the future. I can, I like to try and pretend like I can predict the future in the next, you know, 10 years, whatever. But like down the line, I really don't know what's going to happen. There's like, something's going to have to give, but this does happen with the American economy as well. Like this has been known to happen over time. We see it all the time. There's a recession and then there's a bounce back where there's the economy's great again. And I, I wonder if some of these people that are not being totally, um, this was me too, by the way, that are not being totally transparent about what they're going through in their businesses are waiting for the recession to give in a little bit because then they're hoping their business will bounce back. And then they can talk about the hard time they went through. You know, it's like, maybe they're just not ready to talk about it maybe they're in denial themselves. Maybe they're not going through a recession. There are people that I know, like in 2008, I had some friends that like didn't even realize the recession was happening because they were going through their upswing, you know, and they were doing good. I don't know what it is. I just, I guess I just felt compelled to do this little bonus episode and, and let you know, like, if you are struggling right now, if you're not getting clients, if you're slow, if you're an educator and you, and people are not booking classes anymore, they are not, nobody else is booking a shitload of classes either. Okay. This is just the world we live in. And I think there's going to be a huge shift. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, but you know, it's, it's like late stage capitalism. There's going to be the huge giant companies like lash companies, the biggie, big, big dogs. And then there will be a few little mom pops, but the mom pops are always going to struggle. And that's just how it is. Like that is just how it is. I don't know. This is America. It's much better than so many other places that we could be living in you know, like all of these other countries are going to war and like, who's to say we're not silently in a war right now? We, we, as the American people could never know, I'm not going to get into politics right now, but I'm just saying that we should be grateful for where we are at in our business and try to adjust to it as much as we can and adjust our lifestyles to it as much as we can. I'm selling my gorgeous little beach home that I've always wanted because I'm going back to living in a townhouse, baby, or a home that's like, I don't know. I might just buy like a shitty house that I can update on my own. My house wasn't updated, but the location is expensive, but I'm moving over the bridge. I'm moving to the burbs. I want to live somewhere that my mortgage doesn't stress me the fuck out every month. I want to take my kid to Japan. That's all he wants to do next year. He wants to go to Japan and I want to fucking be able to take him. I don't want to have to like worry about my bills and I didn't have to worry about my bills before when I was making a little bit more money with Lash Anarchist, right? But like I have to worry about that right now and instead of constantly worrying about that, I want to live like the Mexican fisherman. I want to enjoy my time with my family. I want to drink wine with my husband at the end of the night. And I want to eat fish with my son in Japan. <laughs> you know, like those experiences and like, I feel like missing the first part of his, the little, little childhood, like 
that is something that I think I'm going to probably forever have to, in my mind, I will be making up for. And I'm very grateful now, like my husband has a job. I still have a great job with Lash Bomb and I'm building up a clientele. I will be honest. I'm only profiting $200 this month because I pay rent and I'm still growing a clientele in an atmosphere that it's not that easy to grow a clientele. Nobody wants to grow a clientele in a recession in a town that you don't know anybody, but I'm getting there. I'm getting more and more clients, you know, every month and it'll be fine. Like it's going to be fine. But it's like, it's just taking your ego, setting it aside and saying to yourself, I need to find the joy in right the fuck now. And I'm not going to let this time pass me by because I'll never have this again. Like I was just talking to my dad yesterday about how I got a parking ticket, which is so annoying because I was at the beach and I have a resident pass but I got a ticket because I was supposed to re-up my resident parking permit uh, this month and I didn't realize. So now I have to go down to the fucking city and fight my ticket. But I was like, oh, it's so frustrating because it's taking the time out of my day. And he was like, it's the most precious commodity. And I was like, that's true. Like, I really think that we forget this. We get in our girl boss era or whatever And we forget that time is the only thing we will never get back. And I think it takes sometimes losing somebody in your family or somebody close to you to realize how precious that time is. Or for me, it's a lot of people in my family getting Alzheimer's and it's like they're there, but they're not there, you know? And it makes me wonder how much time do I have left with my mom How much time do I have left with my own mind? And what am I going to do? Work really fucking hard on a lash company? With the rest of my time? No. No, ma'am. I don't know. So anyway, that is my message to you. Um, (laughs) Sorry I cried. Actually, no. You know what? Fuck that. I'm not sorry I cried. I'm emotional sometimes. And I don't know what it is you know what? Oh my God. It's the, it's the full moon. I can blame it on that because I woke up last night in the middle of the night and my son had also woken up. That's what woke me up is I heard his door close and I was like, what? That kid sleeps like a rock. Like he never wakes up. Um, but yeah, I was telling my friend about it cause I had a weird dream this morning and it was just like a weird morning. And she was like, oh my God, dude, it's a full moon. Like lots of people have a hard time sleeping during that time. And I was like, oh, interesting. But maybe it makes me more emotional. I don't know. I'm an earth sign. I'm a Virgo. So maybe I'm just like in tune with the earth. I don't know. Whatever. I'm being silly now. Um, I hope you have a great day. I hope this message gets to the right person. And just know that you're not alone. We're all on the struggle bus. We're all struggling. (laughs) But just try to remember one of my favorite things I like to say to people (laughs) This is so fucked up, but we're all going to die. Like you're going to die. You're going to die or you're going to lose your mind. So really in the grand scheme of things, like nothing really matters. So if your business is failing, it's like, oh, well, whatever. It's fine. Just adjust your lifestyle, figure something else out, downsize, do what you got to do and just try to enjoy what you do have, which is probably your family, your friends, For me, it's always relationships. Like, I just want to enjoy the relationships that I have. And 
Um, the fact that I'm still mobile and I can walk down the beach and feel the sun on my face and see the birds. Also, I think birds are telepathic and they can hear our thoughts. And I'll talk more on that next episode. All right. Bye. Have a great day.